it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, and welcome to this episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for your company. New Horizons is the weekly radio program and podcast from Blind Citizens Australia, which in itself is the peak body for blindness and vision impairment and people who are blind and vision impaired in Australia. If you'd like to know more about BCA, have a look at the website bca.org.au. If you're listening to the radio edition of New Horizons, you can subscribe to the podcast. If you uh, open your podcast app of choice and search for Blind Citizens Australia, you'll find it there. You'll also find Blind Citizens News as well. You can subscribe. It's uh, released each week. And of course, Blind Citizens News is released quarterly. And it's important to note that from time to time, we do have special releases, such as uh, the recently reminded Legacy series, which was released in 2019, around the time of the most recent BCA convention. Also, before we move into our main item for this week, a reminder that BCA Connect is coming up on Saturday the 17th of September. If you'd like to know more or register for the BCA Connect online convention, if you want to call it that, call BCA or have a look at the BCA website. There's plenty of information there. And over now to our main item. This week, once again, we go back into the archives of New Horizons. To be precise, episode number 601. On that episode, we featured Emma Benison, who at that time was the Chief Executive Officer of Blind Citizens Australia, that position now, of course, held by Sally Orish. Emma spoke at a conference convened by the Centre for Economic Development Australia about artificial intelligence and its impacts on people with a disability. One of the things that you will um, get to know from me in the next 10 minutes is that I am an optimist. Um, You kind of have to be when you work in disability advocacy because... Um, Things don't change very quickly. Um, But I am generally very optimistic about the future uh, in terms of technology and AI um, in particular. And I guess to start with and set the scene a little bit, I'd just like to tell you a couple of stories about how AI um, is already having a huge positive impact on my life and the lives of people with disability and particularly people who are blind or vision impaired. The first one... um, is that, you know, I, I work from home and I am quite often in a rush. I don't know why, I just seem to have a lot to do. And um, so I will sometimes want to just heat up one of those um, pre-prepared meals from Woolies or wherever for lunch. Now, it used to be the case that I would take out that meal and I would heat it up and I would hope like hell that I'd followed the instructions correctly, but I really didn't know what I was doing. But then um, the Seeing AI app from Microsoft came along and it has totally revolutionised my life in terms of being able to read packaging instructions and things like that. It's it's an app that lives on my phone. Um, I can open it up really quickly. I can... um, hold the the camera up above the package and it will literally instantaneously read the instructions. Now, it doesn't always get it perfect, but it does a lot better job than any other 
app I've ever seen. Um, it also recognises people's faces and tries to estimate their ages, and I'm not going to talk about that because it told me I was a lot older than I, than I actually was. Um, but that's a really cool feature too. And had I had this app when my kids were younger, I've got two children who are now 11 and 14, had I had that when my kids were younger, I think it would have been incredibly useful to try and find them when I was trying to pick them up from daycare and I, I was always terrified that I'd pick up the wrong child. So um, that's, that's a shame. But um, the other story I wanted to tell um, is, is that uh, a couple of months ago, ironically, I was um, about to speak at a technology, human rights and technology conference and um, I was staying in a hotel where the lift... Um, it had buttons, which is good because sometimes they don't. It did have buttons, but the buttons did not have any tactile markings on them. And so I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So I called a service called IRA. And IRA is relatively new to Australia, but it means that you can call up um, a remote uh, agent who's at this stage, they're based in the US, and through your phone's camera or a pair of glasses, they can give you visual assistance. Um, and so the agent, once we got through the fact that it was actually a, an elevator I needed assistance with that I didn't want to lift because I forgot that there was a, a language issue, once we got through that, um, it was very easy. She just said, just move your finger to the button, um, one to the left, and that's ground. And so I pressed the button, went down to the ground, and then she was able to direct me uh, out into the reception area where I met a friend. Um, so that is quite revolutionary. Um, and so that's why I say I'm quite um, optimistic about the future. Um, and look, I think Ira um, and Seeing AI have both on occasions reduced me to tears. And um, just because it, they have really given me an unprecedented level of freedom, and I'm not the only one who's had that emotional connection, emotional reaction to that technology. I remember one day getting a, a bottle of wine in a hotel as a gift and it had a handwritten note um, with it and I thought, well, where, who did, where did this come from? And Seeing AI, again, is the only app I know that can actually scan handwriting and interpret handwriting. We've always, handwriting's always been off limits for people who are blind or vision impaired um, in terms of OCR technology. So I was able to read the note and that, that did reduce me to tears, I have to say. Um, and I'm not much of a crier, really. So <laughs> um, I do think that there are some challenges. And one of those challenges is that this technology um, is cutting edge. It's not easy for everyone to use. Two-thirds of our membership are over the age of 65, and so that's a challenge that we need to think about, that, that we need to make sure that in designing AI um, or you know, other, other new technology, we need to make sure that it's easy for people to use. Um, I, the other challenge I worry about is that if you know, AI um, makes it really easy for people with disability to achieve certain tasks, like, for example, you know, navigating inaccessible websites would be a good example. Does that, is that going to lead to complacency in terms of our advocacy? My take on that is that it's not. I actually think that what we get back in terms of our energy, because advocacy is tiring, but what we get back in the energy that we regain, I think will make us better advocates. And I also think that one of the things I've found with some of this new technology is that it makes me realise what I'm missing in a way that I haven't necessarily realised before. And so I'm not just going to sit back and accept 
um, whatever I'm lucky enough to be given by society. I'm going to... It, it makes me more willing to stand up and say it's not OK for me not to have the same access as everybody else. There are a couple of key things I just want to get us thinking about in terms of how do we, how do we eliminate bias and how do we ensure that the, the technology that we're designing... Um, actually meets the needs of, of everybody because bias is an inevitable issue. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, you, you, we all have unconscious bias. And as a person with disability, uh, I can honestly tell you that I think the vast majority of companies um, and, and businesses and organisations and, and individuals actually want to do the right thing. But I think it's very um, easy for people to just not think, to just forget about the people who are not in the room. And so my key message is you need to make sure, we all need to make sure, that we have a diversity of people around the table right from the design phase. I've seen so many instances where uh, a product is designed it, they, you know, it gets to the market and all of a sudden somebody says, oh, no, it's got a touch screen and nobody thought about people who are blind or vision impaired. Um, there's a, a, you know, a situation at the moment, for example, with a very popular um, household appliance called the Thermomix. I don't know whether any of you have heard of it, but um, it's got a touch screen and um, it means that, an, that a, a product which would be extremely useful and is extremely useful. The previous model had buttons, and most of us, you know, are holding on to that. But um, it's an extremely useful device for people who are blind or vision impaired. Um, but we are locked out of upgrading to the new model because it has a touchscreen. Now, if somebody had actually consulted with people with disability and people who are blind or vision impaired early and often, instead of waiting until it got to market and then going, oh God, what are we going to do? And now they've just released a new model, by the way and they've done nothing to fix the problem. So um, that, is, that is really unfortunate. And I think the other um, challenge that we need to address is that just because you've tested it with one person with disability does not mean that you're going to meet the needs of every person with disability. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example, and I hope you don't mind, Wayne. Um, <laughs> but Wayne and I are both blind. Um, but, you know, Wayne uses a dog, I use a cane. That's just an example of one way in which we are different people. Um, you know, there are as many um, varieties of, of people with disability as there are in the varieties of, of people in the rest of society. So it's a really big trap that people fall into um, of, of just assuming, oh, we tested it with that, that blind person we know who lives next door and, and he could use it. Um, so that's, that's a really... Um, important point, I, I think. And my final point um, is that it's not enough just to test with people um, with disability or from diverse backgrounds. You actually need to have them on your teams. And I'm not just saying that to score a cheap point about employing people with disability, um, although that is an important point. I'm saying it because even with all the best of intentions, if we're not in your face every day, you will forget about us. And it happens all the time. And it's not intentional, and it's not meant to be exclusive, it's not meant to exclude people, but that is what happens. And so it's really, really important 
um, when you're recruiting and you know looking at you know building design teams and and so forth that you remember to consider employing people from a range of different backgrounds and experiences so that you know your team is then constantly being reminded um, of the need to design with everybody in mind and and I think that's how we will guard against bias um, as well so I'll leave it there, but thank you very much for having me and look forward to answering your questions later on. Thank you. Emma Benison there speaking at the recent conference held by the Committee on Economic Development Australia. If you've got any story ideas for New Horizons, feel free to contact me, new.horizons at bca.org.au is the email address, new.horizons at bca.org.au. If you'd like to find out more about Blind Citizens Australia, bca.org.au is the web address, or you can contact them by emailing bca at bca.org.au or by calling 1800 033 660. That number again, 1-800-033-660. And just a brief reminder, if you would like to subscribe to the New Horizons podcast, search for Blind Citizens Australia in your podcast app or portable media player of choice. You'll find it there and you'll also find Blind Citizens News. I'm Vaughan Benison. I hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream. Of our dreams